there are about three categories of Christmas cards. There are, when, when you send your Christmas greetings, there are the ones that have the kind of December scenes of snow and churches or homes and that kind of symbolism that wish you a Merry Christmas. And then there are also other ones that uh, Sherry and I, we've done a couple of times, and that is you take pictures of your family and you send Christmas greetings on those. And that's where you have one or more pictures on the front and back and you send a Christmas greeting. It's your family photo and everything like that. Uh, then there's a third category and that is the category of the nativity of like uh, of Mary and Joseph in the, in the stable. A star, the star is there. The, the, the background where you might see shepherds over on the side and, and that's another Christmas greeting. And all those are good. Uh, it's interesting, uh, how do you tell the Christmas story without the star, without the manger, without the baby Jesus? How do you tell the story without the shepherds and without Bethlehem and all of those things that we learn from Luke 2 and the book of Matthew? How, how do we know, how, how would you get that? Well, we'd have John 1. That's what we'd have. You did it through John 1, and that's where we are. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 1. That's where we're going to be. We're going to continue. We've been there all month. It starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we get this, his arrival is, means to us that we have a perspective on eternity where we didn't have it before. And then the second week, we looked at the verses in John 1 that show us that his arrival, what his arrival really means is that it brings our revival, that it brings both light and life where we didn't have it before. And then last week, we talked about in verses 9 through uh, 11, uh, his arrival brings us truth and clarity because so much we see the really the uh, stark contrast of who Jesus is in this world. And today we're going to pick up and remind you of verses uh, 9 and 10, that the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And so we pick up at verse 12, but, I love that, you know, it's all dark, but to those and to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Helen Keller, who was born both deaf and blind, writes on paper for us what it was like for her when her teacher, Anne Sullivan, literally just illuminated her mind whenever she learned language. Here's what Helen Keller wrote. She said, we walked down the path to the well house. 
attracted by the fragrance of the honeysuckle with which it was covered. Someone was drawing water. And my teacher placed my hand under the spout. As the cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled in the other the word water. First slowly, then rapidly. I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motion of her fingers. And suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness. As if something, something forgotten, a thrill of like a returning thought. Somehow, the mystery of language was being revealed to me in that moment. I knew then that W. A-T-E-R meant this wonderful, cool something and that it was flowing over my hand. That living word awakened my soul and gave light, hope, joy, and it set me free. The moment this word came to Helen Keller, it exploded the darkness, it shattered that, and it bring the light of language. Spiritually speaking, people are living in a world of darkness. We know it. We don't even have to, nobody has to even nudge us, really. We know we all we have to do is turn on the TV or glimpse at our phone, and we see the darkness all around us. Just like Simon and Garfunkel back in the 70s when they said, hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. We see that in this passage in verse 10 when he, we see Jesus is ignored. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. You notice how John writes the word world three times. He writes it three times to kind of emphasize that continuously. He, the, the word the word was continuously in the world. The world owes its existence to him, and yet the world did not know him. And then we see Jesus is rejected in verse 11. He came to his own, and his own didn't even receive him. It's interesting. Uh, over 20 years ago, Princess Diana was killed in a car wreck in France. That's interesting because the Chicago Tribune followed up and they wrote about this uh, pretty intensely. And they said one of the fascinating parts about this was that um, when they hired their chauffeur, they wanted to make sure that they got the right person. Here's the problem. When Princess Diana was killed, the driver of that limousine was three times over the legal limit in his blood alcohol. Another problem was that he was going 120 miles an hour underneath an underpass in busy, busy, large city. Evidently, the wrong person was at the wheel. Now, there's a security firm out of Ohio, and they were talking about this, and they were, they're a large security firm. They, they, they do a lot of security for celebrities and famous people. And one of the things they said is, my experience with people who will spend $150,000 to $200,000 for a limousine, they spend no money on training, and they spend no time thinking about who it is, the person 
that's driving. The driver is hired based on how friendly he is. If he can carry on a charming conversation with them. It was definitely unwise. And since, so interesting, since Diana's death, people have started focusing on the competence of the driver since that horrible accident. They've started to use more wisdom and make sure that they pay attention of the person's character and their ability. Listen, the same wisdom should be used when it comes to your beliefs and how you structure your life for the rest of your life, especially you are you're young. Who is it that you're going to listen to? Who are you gonna build your life on? Your convictions and your beliefs, it's very important to use that same wisdom. Who is going to drive the car of your life? The Bible clearly says here that the world kinda is, is, is lost. We've, we've rejected Jesus. We've not listened to him. The beauty of verse 12 is this. But to those who did, but there are people who believed in Jesus, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. Not everybody rejects Jesus. His disciples certainly didn't reject him. There was a point at which they turned their back on him. But he was not rejected by everybody. Think about it. There are people in the Bible, like the Samaritan woman in chapter four. You've got the, the woman taken, uh, who, who was taken in adult, caught in adultery in chapter eight, and the blind man in chapter nine. People believed. And this is one of the great verses of the Bible. But as many who received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, they weren't born of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you get that right there? There's just a couple of things that are very important for us to know. It says, all who received, but all, as many as received. The word translated there is hosoi in the original language. It means whosoever. So, but for whoever received him. In other words, to to many people who are lost, they sort of reject it. I know that I was like that. I've been like that in my life. When I would go to church, sometimes my mom and dad would say, you're grounded if you don't go to church. So I was like, okay, I wanna play football this afternoon. Little Sandlot football, so I wanna be out. So I'll go to church. And I would sit there begrudgingly. I'd sit in church and listen to this guy talk and we're gonna sing some stuff. I wasn't very open to receiving any message that was given that day. But the Bible says, but to those who do receive, who are open. And then there's a second part, who believe. To all who believe, to those who believe in his name. This means more than just saying a prayer or signing a card. And the, this word believe is emphasized over and over. And I just want to encourage you today to believe to believe. Jesus said, Jesus' own words were something that so many people know. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's not the only thing that Jesus said about believing. Keep believing. Keep believing today. 
Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Jesus answered someone in chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus said and declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe. Remember what Jesus said in famous chapter 11 of John? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even, listen, even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? Jesus told his disciples, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Believe. You have to be open, receive it, Stay receptive, believers, and keep believing. Because here's what happens. When you receive and you believe, he gives, he gave the right. Somebody might walk up to you if you say, Harry, are you a Christian? You would say, well, yes, I am. Well, who gave you the right to say that? Somebody might even look at you and say, who gave you the right to think that you can know God and that you walk with God and that you can know God. And all you have to say is Jesus gave me the right. Jesus gave me that right. Because here's what it says, and here's, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's what the passage says. That right, that right, that, that word also is translated into power. He gave the power to become children of God. That, that, that word, exousia, exousia, that word means power. He gave you the power. Some of you came in here today and you felt like you were powerless, you're far from God, that you're not in on the inside. Some of you might be here, you might in your daily walk, even you name the name of Jesus, but you, get, you struggle and maybe it is that you get beat down or maybe you wander away. I wanna encourage you. He gave you the power, the exousia. And then there's another critical word I want you to make sure you know, and that is, that word to become, genomi, that's the original language, means to become something a person is not. To become something a person is not. Genomi, you can become. I need power and I need to become. I need transformation and I've tried on my own, but it seems like I just can't do it. And I want you to be encouraged today if you Receive and you believe, you get the power, you get the right to become what? In the original language, it's, it's technon theos in the original language. That, that means children of God. That's what it means. 
children of God, that you become a child of God. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, well, I don't feel the power. Do you remember Isaiah 40? I love Isaiah 40, man. It talks about the bigness of God. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Then he asks a question. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. I need power. Everybody say power. Wow. That sounded weak. Everybody say power. That's right. We got the power. I need power in my life because see, on my own, I get dejected. What kept me from a relationship with the Lord was my powerlessness. And the clarity in the passage says that it's not by me, but it's the power of God, the right to become a child of God. In fact, John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, says this. Behold what matter of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. I need power. I need to become. I need God. And his arrival gives us the power to become children of God. Bob Russell is a pretty popular pastor. He's been pastoring for years. He tells a story of when he was about 10 or 11 years old. He decided to give his brother John a gift. He was going to make a small wheelbarrow for him. So what he did was he got a couple of broom uh, sticks as handles and then got a, a wheel off of a wagon and tried to make one. He got some wood. He kind of fashioned it a little bit. About a week before Christmas... Uh, his grandfather came over, and his grandpa was a carpenter. So he said, Grandpa, could you help me with this a little bit? And so without being condescending or making fun of it or anything, he just kind of looked, kind of leaned back and said, well, let's see what we can do. So grandpa got to work. First thing he did was to kind of took it apart. Then he added an axle. He sanded it. He kind of made it look needless to say, 100% better. And then both of them took the time and they painted the whole thing. They're painting like crazy. And he said, when he stepped back from that, he said, wow, what a difference. Here's what's interesting. On Christmas morning, Bob gives it to his brother. He couldn't wait. He brings it out and he gives it to him. And the brother's first words were, there is no way that you made this. here's the thing. When I hear that story, and it makes me think, that's what God does for us. I mean, 
we try to fashion our lives. We work on our lives. We try to make ourselves better. Sometimes we work harder after we've messed up. But when we turn things to Jesus and place our trust in him, when we receive, when we believe, and we give him, we get our power from him, he takes the same material, our talents, our personality, everything, our story, all of it. And the master carpenter can make something beautiful out of it. I just want to encourage you that this passage is very clear. There's some clarifying words there at the end. It says, the new birth is not of blood. That means it's not an inheritance. It's not by human ancestry. It's not about being born in the right family. It's also, new birth is not the will of the flesh. It is not determining by your will that you're going to be a good Christian and live a good life. And that's somehow you're going to be good enough to become a Christian. You cannot make yourself a Christian. You cannot study Christians and act like them or go to church and just mimic them. New birth is not the will of man. It is not the efforts of anybody. There's no sprinkling by anybody. No pastor, no priest, no bishop, no pope can make you a Christian. You do not become a Christian through a ceremony or by reading a creed, anything like that. How do you become a Christian? To be born of God, to have a new origin from God is the result of God's gift of life made possible through receiving the Lord, believing on him, and becoming what God wants you to become. You become a Christian through the will of God, and it's the grace of God that makes it possible. Grace is a force. It's like a tailwind that pushes us towards the will of God. And even you being here is a part of that today. I want you to know that his grace is sufficient in your life. Even the idea that you are here is no accident today. As we close, I want to tell you a story of a guy uh, by a guy named Tony Evans, who's a great preacher. He tells the story of one time he was trying to fly, fly back to Dallas and he was in New York. He was flying out of LaGuardia. And as he drove up, he just seemed like there was just something wasn't right. Uh, people started, he realized that there were lights out as he came up to LaGuardia. And that as he came up, there was not a lot of direction and everything was dark. There were no lights on or anything. This is a hot August afternoon. And he just realized things just didn't look the same. He goes into the airport and all the lights are out. There's a power outage. And so he walks in. There's no, ba the baggage claim, there's nothing's happening in the airport. He walks in and he realizes, there's no way I'm getting out of this. He kind of waits there for a little bit and they finally say, hey folks, we're closing up the airport. There's no power. The whole East Coast is without power. This is 2003. So he decides, he says, hey man, we got to get on this. So he makes a phone call. He gets through to the Crown Plaza LaGuardia and he decide they can get a room so quickly they hail a cab they get over there well it's the same thing you walk in it's hot and stuffy in the Marriott no lights on they got candles up on the reception desk he goes up and he's it's just a miserable experience he stands in line for a little bit they go up to the room they open the door they go in and they open the shades to the room and you know by this time it's kind of evening and everything and he realizes everything is dark and he opens up 
but the Marriott across the street has got every light on. And this joint is jumping. And he is wondering what in the world is going on. And he sits there, and the more he kind of leaves, he's like, what is going on? Why is it we don't have any of this? So he finally decides he can't stand it. He goes down. He goes down the stairs. He goes across to the Marriott. He walks in. First of all, it's air-conditioned. It's a beautiful thing. And he realizes over there on one side, there's a restaurant. People eat not food. People are enjoying themselves. This place is just crazy. He goes up to the assistant. He asks for a manager. He gets the assistant manager. Like, okay, so LaGuardia shut down. Every place, everybody's power's out. What in the world is going on here? I mean, what is it that happened? This place is lit up like a Christmas tree. And everybody else, nobody has anything. And the assistant manager said, well, it's very simple. When we built this hotel, we built it with a backup gas generator. And so whatever happens in this building, whatever happens outside of this building, I mean, circumstances, they can all, it might be dark out there, but it's like everything that's going on out there does not affect us because we have our own power. And then he walked back to his old, hot, stuffy hotel after he grabbed some dinner for he and his wife. You know what? I want you to know it's fairly simple. When you accept the Lord, when you receive and you believe, you have the power. He came to you on the inside. So what's happening on the outside? Everything might be happening all around you. Here's the thing. His grace is sufficient. What's happening out there shouldn't determine your own joy this Christmas. The whole darkness in the world, yes, we empathize. We are a part. Our story is a part of that. But the the light has come. And I would encourage you today to remember this. I'm not a hater, all right? I am not a Christmas hater. But Santa... And Frosty and the elf on the shelf, it's all good. But none of those traditions will make a lasting difference in your life. But having a relationship with God will. And I encourage you today to receive and believe. Because if you receive and you believe, you have the right to become children of God. Not because of any of us, but because God and what he's done. That's the great message that I want you to hear as you leave this place today. Would you pray with me right now? Father in heaven, I thank you for each person here. And I thank you, Lord, for their story. I thank you, Lord, for in your grace and your mercy, you allowed us to get together today. Lord, I thank you for your word because your word's true, Lord. We look around and we do see darkness and we are discouraged, Lord, whether it's illness or death or whether it's bad news. Lord, we do grow weary and discouraged. But Lord, your word gives us hope and your word gives us joy and it gives us an energy, a power to live. So Lord, I pray today, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that they would receive you and believe in you today. And that, Lord, this Christmas would be full of light and life because they trusted you. 
And I also pray, Lord, for every person here who's struggling. Help them to know, Lord, that you come close to the weary and that, Lord, you promise the Holy Spirit to us to comfort us and to also give us power. Help us, Lord, to remember that. Help us, Lord, to remember where we came from. Help us, Lord, to know who you are, even in these remaining hours of today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I want you to uh, remind you tomorrow night we're getting together at five and seven. Love to see you here. But if you might have come today and you've never received Christ and you'd like to do that, it's like, I'd really, I want to draw a line and say today, I want to do this. There's be some folks right down here at the cross. If you want to come to the cross of Christ today and mark this time, there'll be some folks down here to pray with you. If you came today and you need to pray with somebody, maybe there's some burden on your heart or you're carrying some heavy, uh, heavy load right now and you're burdened about something and you just want somebody to pray with, there'll be some folks right down here at the cross that would love to pray with you. And I pray that uh, if I don't see you tomorrow night, that you'll have a very Merry Christmas. God bless you and have a great rest of your day.